Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Well, good morning. Welcome to City Hills Church. We're thrilled that you guys are with us, and you are here at a great time because we're right in the middle of the five-week series where we have been looking at a journey of finding our way back to God, whether that means starting a brand new relationship with Him or if it means us in our everyday life finding our way back to Him. And in week one, quickly, we talked about awakening to longing, that every one of us has this deep longing inside of us for purpose, for meaning, and for love. Like, it doesn't matter what background we come from, we all have these longings inside of us. And somewhere along the journey, we go within our own power to try to find these things in our life. And and for many of us, we end up at the second awakening. We end up at that awakening of regret, of, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Oh no, I can't believe I'm doing this, and how did this happen, and how did I end up in this point? And this is this is where we are jumping back into our story, and we're looking at the story of the prodigal son, the famous story that Jesus told. And we see in his life, last time we left off, that we needed to wake up and return home, return home. And thinking about that this week, I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely love to travel, right? Anybody else? Raise your hand real quick. You love to travel. I love it. I love everything about it. While, while airports are just doing a really, really cruddy job of making the experience fun, I still enjoy it. I, I love the, the silence of the airplane, you know, getting your, getting your Bluetooth in and you're in your little confined space. It's the only place that I like to like kind of be confined, but I enjoy it. I, I read or I watch a movie and it's like I have my own little bubble. No one's touching me. No one knows me. I'm just, I'm here, right? So I love travel. I love going to explore new places and finding new restaurants and new hotels. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I have this, I just, I enjoy the process of like getting ready in the morning at a hotel and just like, leaving the towels on the ground and leaving the bed unmade. And then I come back and poof, it's all put back together. Like it's just this awesome experience and I didn't have to do it. It's great. So I I enjoy traveling, but as awesome as traveling is, there's nothing like home, right? There's absolutely nothing like home. Have you ever longed for home? Like you've been gone for a little while. It's like, man, I just, I need to get back home. I need to get home. I need to just get this taken care of. Home has a smell, right? It has a look. It has a feel. For me, home has a temperature, right? When my, when my parents were still living in New Orleans, I love them to death. But I regretted ever having to go and visit because them jokers love a hot house. I mean, 85 degrees and like, oh, this is just wonderful. I'm like, 85, I'm sweating like a pig. I am a walking furnace. I cannot handle that heat. And as much as I love them, I was like, y'all got to turn the air conditioner on. I don't care about your bill. I'll give you some money for it. It is too hot in here. Home has a beautiful, wonderful temperature. Home is our sanctuary. It's our castle for us men. It's our castle. This is my, my place. This is my area. This is a place where you have your favorite spot on the sofa or in the recliner. 
like, this is my spot. Don't mess with it. Someone sits there and it's like, whoa, whoa, hey, hey, my name's right there. What you doing? Chill. Home for us guys also is the place where we have our drop spots, right? We have our drop spots, our place where we put all of our keys and our wallet and our shoes. And maybe if we have a bag, it's the drop spot where we put it. Now, listen, the drop spot may be in the middle of the kitchen. It may be in the middle of the island. It may not be convenient for you, but ladies, we have a drop spot, and it's where we put our stuff. And every morning, we go to that drop spot, and we anticipate that whatever we left in that drop spot is going to be in that drop spot, and somehow every morning it's not. I don't know what happens. I don't understand. what I put it in the drop spot, and when I left, it was there, and now I'm back, and it's not there. And so every morning, the conversation starts, honey! Where are my keys? Because the wife, the wife is always upstairs, even if you do have a one-story house. Somehow it just happens. You're just yelling. You're like, where's my stuff? And what Lauren, Lauren likes to play this little game with me. She won't admit it, but she plays this little game with me where she'll move my stuff. And I'm like, babe, my keys, my wallet, they were all right here. Where did they go? Where, where is it at? And she goes, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. She does this little show, cute little shoulder shrug. I don't know. I didn't move it. And every single time she did move it. And then when I find it in some obscure place in the house that makes absolutely no sense, away from the drop spot, she's like, oh, I don't remember doing that. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I didn't do that. Audrey did it. That's the benefit of children. She'll just blame it on someone else. When I know I put it in the drop spot and you moved it. But we can be gone from home for a long time. We can, we can have a blast where we go. We can absolutely enjoy it. But at some point, our bodies, our minds, everything just needs to come back home. It just feels right. But think about this. This is in your notes today. If your body desperately needs a home, don't you think our soul needs one too? If our bodies, if our minds, if our just physical being, have you ever thought about this? If our, if our bodies just long for that home, don't you think that the soul, that, that inner heart, that part of us inside of us, it has a home too, and it longs for that home. And it doesn't matter how big your home is, if it's rented, or if it's purchased, if it's a single room, or if it's a mansion, it doesn't matter if your body is longing for it Inside of you, your soul has a home, too. And our heart, our soul, it needs to come home on a regular basis. And we're going to talk about that this morning. But look at this really key thing. A healthy soul is essential to a healthy life. A healthy soul is essential to a healthy life. And you guys know this. This, this, is, this is something that you, you're, you're familiar with. Because if you can think about a time in your life where your mind was in a good place, your, your heart was in a good place, things were going pretty well in life, you know, the relationships were pretty solid, and finances weren't like soaring, but they weren't that bad, and you, you've had that short period of time in your life where things are going well. If someone asked you, well, how are you doing? You could genuinely say, man, things are really good. Things are, I, I don't know. I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. I know there's something on the other side, but like right now, things are, 
they're pretty good, right? We've had those moments, and in those moments, we're balanced and we're stable, and it doesn't matter what really comes against us, whatever happens in life, we can kind of take it in stride and move on, and we understand that that when we're kind of healthy on the inside, we're okay. We can, we can manage it. We felt this in those little brief moments, but when our soul is not healthy, we definitely can recognize that as well. We could feel that when the inside is just churning, it feels like a storm on the inside, and every little thing in life feels like it's massive. It's because our soul, our heart, is not healthy. And like this young son in the story, many of us find ourselves just surviving daily life. We're just trying to make it through. We, we deal with frustration. We deal with restlessness. And for for all of us, maybe you're better than me, but we deal with discontentment, right? We're just not satisfied. We're bored or we become apathetic that this is, this is just the way things are. I can't do nothing about it. So you know what? If it's going to stink, I'm going to make it stinkier. That's, that's just what life is, right? We just get to that place. But the stability, the peace, the hope, and the love that we're desperate to find are all rooted in our soul going home our soul going home. We're going to jump back in our story in Luke 15, where we, we see the son has gone off to a far land. He spent all of his money. It's been this crazy, wild experience. A famine hits the land. He's broke. He has no money. He has no friends. He's feeding pigs. And this happens in verse 17. It says this, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, Even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. And he did this really key thing, verse 20. So he returned home to his father. So where is our soul at home? Where is our soul's home? Our soul is at home with our Heavenly Father. Our soul is at home with our Heavenly Father. It's in that relationship with Him. It doesn't mean that we have to die and go to heaven. Like, we can have that interaction. We can go and spend that time with Him, that relationship with Him. The place where our soul is restored and strengthened and made healthy is with the one who created it. In the time that we spend with our Creator, Recognizing this leads us to the third awakening. We've been looking at these different awakenings, and in the third awakening, we find new direction. We find that it has the potential to change the course of our future, and this is what the third awakening is. The third awakening is awakening to help. Awakening to help. And this third one is a game changer because it's in this step that we stop trying to fix everything ourselves. We stop trying to prove ourselves. We stop trying to find fulfillment by ourselves. And it's in this we realize, you know what, hey, I can't do this on my own. I just can't do this on my own. I've been trying and I just cannot do it. We recognize the missing piece of our life is leaning into the help that our Heavenly Father wants to give us. We lean into the fact that my soul has a home and I need to spend some time there. I need to connect with my father. David, the, the famous King David, in Psalms 31, he has this, it's this it's interesting 
passage of scriptures where he's just absolutely going through something terrible. I'm not sure what it was at this point, but he's walking through this horrible season. And listen to what he says. It's just, he's going back to his, his heavenly father. And he says this in Psalm 31, Oh Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me for what you do is right. Turn your ear to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, a fortress where I'll be safe. You are my rock and my fortress for the honor of your name. Lead me out of this danger. David is running back to his father. He's going, God, I, I need you. I need you to be my protection. I need you to be my help. I need you to be my strength. Look at what he says in verse 7. I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love for you have seen my troubles. That's important. You need to know that and recognize that. God, for you have seen my troubles. You care about the anguish of my soul. He gets really poetic here. It's, it's, it's beautiful. But I, I couldn't imagine having this conversation because I'm not like that artist. I'll play music, but he was very deep. Verse 8, you have not handed me over to my enemies, but you have set me in a safe place. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes, my body and my what? My soul are withering Away, I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength, and I am wasting away from within. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever had that moment where maybe you don't say it that beautifully or eloquently, but you're just like, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I am just crumbling from within. I am just falling to pieces. I don't know what has happened. David is bearing his soul to God. He's totally transparent with him. He's going, God, I am utterly and fully broken. I, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I'm coming to you because I am absolutely falling to pieces. But listen to the turn in this prayer. And this is so good. Maybe this is a, a scripture for you that you just, you put somewhere in your house to help you through whatever season you're going through. Starting in verse 14, he says, but I am trusting you, O Lord, saying you are my God. My future is in your hands. Man, that's good. Let your favor shine on your servant and your unfailing love rescue me. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish on, on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. I love this right here. You shelter them in your presence, far from the accusing tongues. Praise the Lord, for he has shown me the wonders of his unfailing love. David looks to his heavenly father and he says, God, you are my God. You're everything. You are the one. I, my future, it's actually in your hands, God. My future is in your hands. I trust you. Your unfailing love and your goodness has been stored up for me. And I love what he says. He says, hide me in your presence. When we're, we're singing songs together and you have those goosebumps or that feeling that just like, man, there's something in the room. That's God's presence. He's saying, God, hide me in your presence. Let me feel that you are near to me. And I love this, that the world will watch you care for me. That the world around us, the people around us will see that God cares for us. How, how did that opportunity come out? How, how are you making it through this? And, and our response is, God, it's just God. I don't know. 
God just opened this really unique opportunity. God showed up. It was crazy. And the world sees that. And I love this. He says, you guard me from the accusations. And for some of you, those accusations come from the outside. Those accusations come from the words that people say about you, people trying to say things and and determine your reputation, and people trying to say things to make you feel a certain way, and people saying things that beat you down. And, And he's saying, God, guard me, protect me from those accusations. But for some of us, those accusations come from an unhealthy soul. Those accusations come from within and says, you're no good. You can't make it. You don't have what it takes. This is all your fault. You did this. Just suck it up, live life this way because you're the one who messed up. Deal. Those accusations come from within. And David says, God, you guard me from those because you have shown me love. You've shown me love. You know what we don't hear in there? We don't hear judgment. We don't hear fear. We don't hear anger. We don't hear shame. Because when we run to the Father, When our soul gets to go home and spend time with its creator, we find grace and we find mercy and we find love. When we go back to our creator, when we let our soul go home and spend time with him, we find who we really are, not who those voices say we are. It's found in him. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been committing to a certain prayer together. And the prayer for this week is, Awaken in me the willingness to turn towards you for help. Awaken in me the willingness to turn to you for help. God, I've been trying to do it on my own, but I can't do it on my own anymore. So God, I'm turning to you for help. While all of this is beautiful, the, the real key in the story for this week is the Father. It's all about the Father in the story and what he represents so look at what the Father does. It's so beautiful, and we're going to see why it's so, so amazing in just a second. Luke 15, verse 20, it says, While he was still a long way off, his Father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his Son, embraced him, and kissed him. Who is waiting for us to return? It's the God who runs. It's the God who runs towards us. You got to understand that this was such a big deal in this culture because Jesus, as he's telling this story, his audience would have a hard time understanding and picturing what he's talking about because for a father to run made absolutely no sense. And, and for a son who had done what he did, it was unbelievably horrible, more than just asking his father early for his inheritance, but to go into the land of, of the Gentiles, the people who were not Jewish, and to squander money and then try to show up, that son would have experienced a very, very different reception. Because what would happen is, in that day, the people of the town, they would have met him at the town gates. They would have met him at the town gates and, and performed this ceremony that was called the Kazaha. And the ceremony would go like this. They would see the sun coming, and he would get to the, the gates, and they would take a clay pot, and they would look at him, and they would wait for him to show up at the gates, and they would take it, and they would smash it. And they would take the pieces, and they would look at him, and they would say, you have broken our community. You're not welcome here. You have broken this community, because you went off, you did your own thing, you 
cannot come here. And they would take this, this ceremony and just push him away, and he had no chance to come back into the city. He, even though the son was working this speech up in his mind of what he would say, even all of the things that he thought he would be able to do to try to win it over, he knew that ceremony was coming in, and he was scared to death as he's walking up to the city. But the waiting father had a plan. Because, see, that waiting father knew the ceremony was coming. And that's why every day he stood in his house and he looked into a far distance, and he waited for his son, and his eye was always there. And that's why the Bible says when he was a far way off, the father saw him. He was looking for him. He was waiting for him in the distance, and he had a plan. Because he understood that day after day as he waited for his son, if he could get to his son before they performed that ceremony, that he can reconcile what happened in public. He could give that son the grace and the love that he so desperately needed, but he had to find him for a far way off. And so what, in order to, to help his son, what he had to do was he had to completely humiliate himself. Because when he saw his son a far way off, he picked up his robes and he took off running. He took off running through the city past the people, and they see this man running, which was so unbelievably foreign because the, the father in Middle Age Eastern patriarchs would never do this. It was completely and utterly against the rules to show, for whatever reason, when you would show your legs, it was just dishonorable. It would get him in so much trouble. To see a father running was undignifying. It was humiliating. Because grown, important men didn't run, right? Even today, like, if we're honest, like, if we were, if we were watching the news and how odd would it be if the president of the United States comes skipping down the tarmac and then runs across, hey, buddy, hey, what's up? Good to see you. We'd be like, whoa, what is, what is he doing? They're, they're supposed to be presidential and walking very slowly. Hi. Hey, it's good to see you, right? Like, even for us, it would be weird, but in this culture, it was so unbelievably inappropriate. But the father's love for that son was so much greater than the opinions of everyone else around him. So before anyone can say, you're cut off from us, you have no place here, you don't belong here anymore, the father runs to his son and he catches him before he gets there. And the people are standing there in awe and shock as this father just humiliated himself. And this son who deserves to be kicked out, he, they watch as he wraps his arms around his son and kisses him and shows him love and cries on his shoulder and embraces this son who deserved to be kicked out and thrown away and never to return again. This father broke all the rules to come and find him. What's so beautiful is the father didn't wait for his son's confession before he showed his love. He offered his grace first. Before the son even explained himself, the father forgave him, he protected him, and he showed him love. Do you, do you understand that, that this is the God that waits for us? This is the God that we serve 
the God who is waiting for us in the distance when we're far from him. And he knows that everyone else would say, just give up on them. They're too far. They're broken. They, they won't ever trust you with that. They won't trust you with that part of their life. They're going to just keep holding it to themselves and keep hurting themselves. Just give up on them. And God is waiting with his eyes in the distance, waiting for us to come and make that move back to him because he's the God who runs to us. But we don't, we don't just learn about God from the father in the story. We also about, we learn about God through the storyteller. Because the storyteller is Jesus, who was the son of God, who is the answer. And the reason that he knows so much about finding the love of God is because he was God. And he knows that he longs for a relationship with us. Look at this, look at this on the screen. When we awaken to help and understand, and when we admit we are powerless to fulfill our longings on our own, we'll discover that help has a name, and his name is Jesus. We'll discover that help has a name. That name is the storyteller, Jesus. God wrote himself into our story by coming in the person of Jesus to forgive us and to prepare and protect us from the breaking and the pushing away that we absolutely deserved. We've chased a lot of things looking for love and purpose and meaning, and we all have ended the day with regrets at different time, and, and maybe you're, you're hesitant to return. Maybe you're hesitant to go, God, I, I'm going to trust you with that part of my life. God, I'm going to give you access to that part of my life. Maybe you're hesitant because you're afraid of the response. Maybe, maybe pride has just kept you from admitting, hey, I can't do this on my own. I don't want to admit that, right? Like, I, I don't want to ever look like that person who can't handle what's going on. Maybe it's the pride in our life that holds us back from doing what David did and going, God, I've got nothing. I, I keep trying, but man, I just keep messing it up. God, I can't do it anymore. Perhaps it's the shame. You know where you've been. You know what you've done. You've, you've lived your own kind of kazaha moment where maybe your family, maybe the people around you have said, no, nah, I don't want anything to do with you. I'm done. I'm out. And you feel like if they did it, then God's going to too. If they can't forgive me, if they can't show me love, if they can't let me get better, then maybe God is that same way. But I want to say as clearly as I can today, you can always come home. Help has a name, and his name is Jesus. He, he is scanning the horizon, watching and waiting desperately for that moment to come running out to you when you turn back to him. When you give him access to that part of your life that you've sealed off from everybody else, that brokenness, that hurt, that anger, that insecurity, that thing that just keeps bubbling up out of you and you're like, why does this keep happening? Why do I keep living this way? Why do I keep doing this? Jesus is going, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm watching. I'm watching. I see the broken pieces. I see what you're feeling. I understand I'm waiting for you to come home. I'm waiting for you to let your soul come home to me so you can find the healing that you need.
our challenge this week is that we make the decision to admit you need help and trust Jesus to be your helper. And as simple as that sounds, we all understand it's not. We understand it's not that easy. For some of us, in order to accept that help, we have to admit our weakness. We have to admit our weakness to that, that person in our life that, that we're secretly hurting. We have to admit that weakness to ourselves and go, Wait, you know, no, it's not, it's not a season. I've been jacked up for a long time and I'm, I still keep doing the same thing. It's not just this busy season. It's not this crazy season at work. It's not this crazy season in my health. It's not this crazy, no, no, you know what? God, I've, I've been making that excuse for a long time. No, you know what? I'm broken in this and I need you to take the pieces and put it back together. For some of us, for some of us, it's, it's humbling ourselves to the point where we're willing to admit that we're wrong. Because if we're honest, some of us, we can easily justify our behaviors. We could easily, you could, I could say, hey, well, why, why, why is this happening in your life? And you can give me a whole diatribe of why you're right. And it probably would sound good to me. I go, oh, well, yeah, man, that makes sense. But we can't fool God. We can't fool him. He knows deep inside that the reality is we need to humble ourselves and go, God, I need help. I need help. I've been trying to do this on my own. And, and lastly, for some of us, it just simply means that we need to release control. We're so wound tight of trying to control everything in our lives. We're trying to control our homes. We're trying to control our health. We're trying to control our work environment. We're trying to control our family. We're trying to control how this conversation goes. And we're trying, and our hands are tired from gripping everything so tightly. And we feel like if we loosen it up, then life might go crazy. If, if I let these strings go, if I let this go, that life is just gonna fall to pieces because if I don't hold it, who's gonna hold it? God. God, the one who was created to hold it all along, the one whose hands know which string to hold in the right time and at the right grip. I, I played golf and I, I still do a little bit. And one of the things that I learned early on in playing golf, unlike baseball, you don't grip the club with all your strength. You don't hold it like as hard as you can, when you do that, it just makes the ball do these crazy, crazy things. And when I was learning how to play golf, they would tell me, hold it like a baby bird. And I'm like, that does, what? This is a metal stick in my hand. What do you mean hold it like a baby bird? But what's so fascinating about golf and it's so true in our life is that when I would loosen my grip, when I would just hold on just enough and I would swing, the ball would go exactly where I wanted it to go. And every time I wanted to hit it a little bit further, every time I wanted to do something different, I would squeeze it really tight, and then the ball would just go poof, somewhere ridiculous. And it, every time I played golf, it was that beautiful reminder to me that our lives are the same way. When we try to choke it, and we try to control it, and we try to squeeze everything we can, 
it never goes the way we want it to. We were meant to hold our hands, hold our lives like little baby birds with our hands soft and open to whatever it is that God wants to do in our lives. Somebody today, you need to release control and understand that if you let it go, God's got it. God's actually going to take care of it. He's going to show up and do what only he can do. Let's pray together today. God, I look at the pieces of this clay pot on the ground, broken, shattered, pieces everywhere. And God, for so many of us, that's exactly what our life feels like. Maybe we have a relationship with you. Maybe we, we've been following you for a long time, but there's still, man, there's so many areas of our life that it just feels broken. For some of us, God, that we're in this room and we've never began that relationship with you. And it all makes sense. We've been trying to control and lead our lives on our own. And maybe today we realize, hey, it was supposed to be you leading it all along. We were never created to lead it by ourselves. God, I pray right now for every person in this room that you give us the humility, that you give us the strength to be able to come home to you and say, God, I need your help. I, I'm so done. God, we're exhausted. We're exhausted mentally. We're exhausted physically. We're exhausted emotionally because, God, we've been trying to do it all ourselves. And the whole time you're saying, man, if you just come to me for help, I can actually help. I can make it better. I can give you the peace you've been looking for. I can relieve you of that pain. I can heal you of that hurt. I could pour water on that fiery anger inside of you. I could, I could calm your soul if you just lean on me. So God, we do that collectively as a church today. We say, God, we let go of control. We release the grip. We humble ourselves. We admit that we can't do this without you. And God, today we pray to help us. Help has a name, and his name is Jesus. Jesus, help us today as we surrender what we have to you. We pray all of this in that strong and that mighty name. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.